0: Okay, so Matt, what word starts with an F, ends with a K, and if you don't get it, you have to use your hands?
1: Mm. (laughs) Mm. I don't know. Fork. Uh, (laughs) That's not where I thought you were going. (laughs) (laughs) Good
0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam, and my
1: name's Matt.
0: Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. All right, we're back again and doing a show. And Matt, how are you on this fine Halloween?
1: I am. I am awesome. I'm gonna. There's gonna be candy at my house. Yes. Um, that I can pilfer and uh, hot cider. It's gonna be awesome.
0: They they call that the dad tax. You gotta tax the candy buckets. Um, but the thing
1: is, is I like those weird peanut butter kisses that are in the orange and black. Yep, yep. That everybody hates. Yeah, for whatever reason, I, I, I like them. I'm so, with
0: you. I, I like the weird uh, off candies that usually get pushed aside. So I'm in hog heaven because I'll just eat those. Uh, and
1: they don't they don't get that anymore. The kids don't come home with crappy Halloween candy anymore,
0: which is a shame.
1: I mean, they don't. I mean, they get they get legit stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem oh. is, is they if you come to our house, you're getting chocolate, right? Period. I mean, you're getting chocolate in some form—a little candy bar, you know, something. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be chocolate, and that includes the almond joys because the the big mix pack will have almond joys yep. in it. But uh, you know, they they come home with with Nerds and, you know, uh, all, all the all the fruity cans, Smarties, Galore. Yep.
0: I mean, Sprees they're okay.
1: Yeah, they're okay. I like that stuff. But, man, you know, you you start digging through for looking for the chocolate and you can't find anything. And I'm like, man. Oh, I know. I know. We, um, we ate all the stuff we had left over.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And we don't usually have a lot left. We have a lot.
0: Yeah, we hand out the the chocolate too. But I, I know what you're talking about with those weird, like, fruity, hard candy things because we did a trunk or treat thing at Michael's school. Yeah. And, uh, the, the school actually gave, like gave you the candy to hand out. So you didn't have to buy candy, which was nice. Um, and they gave, like I did my trunk and Ashley did her trunk. Well, they gave, they kept giving me all the frou, frou nerd candy and stuff like that. And she got the chocolate. So I was walking over to her car and pilfering a Snickers every now and then and coming back. Cuz I'm like I don't want to sit here and eat this candy. This is not what I want from Halloween, you know.
1: Or you know or or the the dreaded um the the SpongeBob gummy crabby patty.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: That that thing is it's not meant for human consumption.
0: No, I think it's I meant tried. to put under a chair and actually pad a chair when it wobbles. Yeah, you there know, you that's, go. That's all I've ever used them for. They yeah.
1: No, they give me the lettuce. Yeah. 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 yeah, the patty's too thick. I need the lettuce gummy.
0: Right, and they'll form what? fit because after a while it'll harden and it's right? like another foot for the chair. So I think it's perfect. Yeah. And and we just for some reason decided to start eating them. You know, hey, these what, look good. Uh, what's Michael being for Halloween? Ah, uh, he's probably gonna do the werewolf. Um, that's what he did at the trunk or treat thing. Okay, and he he was talking about Mario. He's talking about this, but it's uh, probably going to end up being the uh, werewolf.
1: Uh, so uh, so Piper is going to be Wednesday Adams. Nice, yeah, and Brooks. Brooks is going to be Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> it, it's his costume rocks, man. That's I'm awesome. You. It's it's awesome. I
0: haven't thought about Rowdy Roddy Piper in so long. That's hysterical.
1: <laughs> you got the hot rod shirt, everything.
0: Oh yeah. Man, now I now I need to change and go as uh the nature boy.
1: Yeah. 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 Woo. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. So enough uh, enough of this Halloween reminiscing and yes. chatting. Let's, let's get to uh, business. Get, let's get to let's get to going on this. This all is right. a
0: good one. All right, so real quick before we do that, we have a live show coming up July 18th, 2020. Yes, that is eight months away, um, but go ahead and mark your calendar. It is a long way away. Tickets are already available, though. Um, It's going to be in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. We're going to be doing it with Hillbilly Horror Stories um, like we did our last show with. Now, Keep in mind, this is not going to take the place of a Dallas show that we do. We're just adding another show to our roster of live shows. So we're still planning on doing a Dallas show so that if you can't make it to Pigeon Forge, then you can get in on the Dallas show. Um, Pigeon Forge is is, up there by Gatlinburg.
1: Yeah, this is not our show. This This is Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Story Show. And they have graciously invited Adam and myself to be a part of this show. Um, but if you were at our, our Nashville show, um, with, uh, hillbilly horror stories, this is going to be, uh, this is going to be very similar. Um, so it's still, still going to be, us, still going to be there. Um, but like Adam said, we're, we're not dumping the, the Texas show. Um, that, that is still in the works. So don't worry.
0: Right. Um, and also another quick piece of business, if y'all don't mind, Please give us a rating on whatever podcast app or listening device that you get us from. If it's iTunes, if it's Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, give us a five-star rating. That really helps. It gets us higher in the charts and people are able to find us a little easier so that we can get more people into the graveyard. And also go invite a friend to the graveyard. It's frickin' Halloween Let's get some people in the graveyard listening to some scary stuff. we got a big back catalog that they can listen to. So, you know, if you've got friends over, put a, put on the graveyard in the background while you're handing out candy. We're safe for the kids to listen to so you can have us playing out in the front yard and get the whole neighborhood listening. Just get us out there and get some more people into the graveyard. So, on that note, in the graveyard, Matt why don't you tell us what we're talking about tonight? It's going to be a long night.
1: Okay, so tonight we're going to be talking about historically one of the most famous unsolved murders ever. Right. We're going to be talking about the Lizzie Borden axe murders. Yep. And not only that, we're going to jump from that to the bed and breakfast that the the Borden house has become and all the paranormal activity that goes on This very day.
0: Right. So you got a long episode coming up and we're going to try to cover everything there is about the Lizzie Borden case that you may or may not have heard from other places. A lot of this you're going to have going to have heard. That sounds weird. Um, You're going to have heard it. There's my hillbilly coming out. (laughs) Um, You will have heard some of this stuff. Hopefully we can uh, piece it all together in a cohesive way. That y'all will understand. We need to get into the whole Lizzie Borden axing of the family and all that before we can get into the haunting. So let's do that now. (laughs) The
1: the axing of the family.
0: Yep. She axed her family.
1: Yeah. Can I ask you a question?
0: Exactly. All right. So Lizzie Borden, Lizzie Andrew Borden was born July 19th of 1860. She was born to Sarah and Andrew Borden. Um, Andrew Borden was a well to do businessman, um, you know, very influential and affluent in the area. Now, three years after Lizzie was born, Sarah, her mother, passed away. Now, Andrew Borden remarried three years after that to Abby Durfee Gray. Um, the family lived well. Andrew Borden was successful enough in the fields of manufacturing and real estate development to support his wife and two daughters and employ servants, you know, to keep their house in order, maids, cooks, that kind of thing. And he was, he had so much money that Emma and Lizzie were able to live with their father and stepmother well into adulthood. So keep in mind her birth date, 1860, when we start talking about when the, murders occurred so that you'll know how old she was when those murders occurred. So the relationship between the Borden sisters and their stepmother, Abby Borden, wasn't very good. Um, She, she was not well liked by the sisters. They actually greeted her as Mrs. Borden instead of mom or anything like that. And they were worried that Abby Borden's family sought to gain access to their father's money. Now, Emma was very protective of her younger sister, and together, the two sisters helped to manage the rental properties owned by Andrew Borden. Well, the family attended the Congregational Church, which was an institution that Lizzie was particularly involved in. She would go there every Sunday. She sang in the choir. She did all that kind of stuff, so she was very involved with the Congregationalist Church. Now, Lizzie and her sister were... Pretty well known, actually, for their conflicts with their father. Um, They disagreed with his decisions regarding the division of their family's properties. Her father was also responsible for killing Lizzie's pigeons that were housed in the family barn. So I couldn't find exactly how they were killed. There was, you know, debate, multiple different things that were said, you know, poison and just leaving them out in the weather. I saw a few different, so I didn't copy it down because... You know, it if there's that much argument over killing pigeons, I'm not going to get into it either.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's pigeons, you know. Yeah. yeah. Apparently
0: it made Lizzie pretty mad, though, but how he killed him is not known. So just before the murders occurred, the entire family fell ill. And since Mr. Borden was not a well-liked man in town, really, Mrs. Borden believed that foul play was involved, but even though Mrs. Borden believed they had been poisoned, it was discovered that they ingested contaminated meat and contracted food poisoning. Um, The contents of their stomach were actually investigated for toxins following death and they couldn't come up with any conclusions on whether or not poison was in their system. Um, And, They should have been able to find the poisons that were used at the day, so they just figure it was contaminated meat that got them sick. So the murders occurred on August 4th, 1892. So if you remember, Lizzie was born in 1860. She is 32 at the time of the murders. They occurred in Fall River, Massachusetts, where they were living at the time. Her father's body was discovered on the couch in the living room and her stepmother's body was found in the upstairs bedroom. Now, Lizzie claimed to have discovered the body of her father about 30 minutes after he came home from his morning errands. Shortly after that, the maid, Bridget Sullivan, found the body of Lizzie's stepmother. Now, both victims were killed by crushing blows to the head by a hatchet, supposedly. Makes as we'll, sense, though.
1: Yeah. You know. That's what the rhyme says, right? <laughs> Forty wax. <whacks. laughs>
0: um, you know, they, we'll talk about it a little bit later here, but it, it's supposedly by a hatchet because. Well, I'll I'll leave that for now, um, and we'll <laughs> we'll touch on why it's supposedly uh, here in a little bit. The one thing I want to touch on real quick too was Bridget Sullivan apparently was in the room up above where mrs borden was killed and she was apparently trying to take a nap at the time the murders occurred so kind of weird placement not to hear hatchet killings you know what i mean right as as violent as that was and you say you didn't hear it maybe she's a heavy
1: sleeper i don't know
0: could be could be i'd have heard it but that's just me now Me
1: me probably not
0: yeah, <laughs> right. Matt would have slept right through the whole thing. Even Matt would have slept through the policeman showing up at the house. Possibly. Woke up the next day and went, what happened? What, yeah. What, went on? what
1: What happened? <laughs> yeah. Wait, I thought that was a dream.
0: Yeah, right. So policemen that were called to the scene suspected Lizzie Borden immediately. Now, she wasn't taken into, into custody at the time, though. Which was a little odd. Um, her sister Emma was out of town at the time, and therefore she was never a suspect in the murders. Now, during the week between the murders and her arrest, Lizzie burned a dress in the kitchen stove that she claimed was stained with paint. Red paint. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, see, a lot I, of red paint. I can't blame her for that because that's how I do laundry, too. You know, if I got a stain on something, I just burn the thing. Um, (coughs) Ashley got real mad at me one day because I was walking through the living room with a a hamper of clothes, a lighter and some lighter fluid. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to do the laundry. Yeah. You know, so I completely understand that train of thought. You know, let's just burn it. And I don't know how to clean this. I'm just going to burn it. So Now, but that is weird to burn a dress that apparently was stained with paint instead of washing (laughs) it. Sure. Now, prosecutors would later allege that the dress was actually stained with blood and that Lizzie had burned the dress in order to cover up her crime. Well, no crap, Sherlock. That does seem like what was happening there. Lizzie was arrested after that on August 11th, 1892. Now, she was indicted by a grand jury. However, the trial didn't begin until June of 1893, and it was in New Bedford. Now, the hatchet was discovered by the Fall River Police. However, it appeared to have been cleaned of any evidence. So a downfall for the prosecution occurred when the fall river police didn't properly execute collection of the newly discovered forensic fingerprint evidence. So the reason I said supposedly a hatchet is because it kind of matched the wounds, but they couldn't find any evidence on the actual hatchet to say, yep, definitively this is what caused it. So or, a, or they
1: couldn't, they couldn't find, they weren't even sure they had the right hatchet. Right. You know, there right. was, there was more than one hatchet. And then yeah. there was, then there was the other one.
0: The one and, that they, uh, that they attributed to it was the one that they found downstairs, I think, in the basement.
1: Yeah. The one that had the, the, you know, that looked like it had been messed with, broken handle, all that good stuff. Yep.
0: Yep. So. So, because of the improperly executed collection of the fingerprints, um, no potential prints were actually lifted from the murder weapon. Um, I got a confession to
1: make. All right. I didn't realize they had fingerprint evidence that long ago. Yeah. You know, 1892 and they had, you know, they could get fingerprint evidence. I, I guess I've never looked to see how old that is.
0: Well, and it it wouldn't be, you know, and obviously wouldn't be as detailed as now and they couldn't get fingerprints as easily, but, you know, they they were doing the dusting of fingerprints and it it was kind of crude, but they could still get the fingerprints and save them in some manner, Um, especially if it was, you know, as obvious as blood, but this would have been you know, just fingerprints on the head of the hatchet there, and they would have been able to collect it in a way. It's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Um. Although no blood-stained clothing was ever found at the, the residence there that they could use as evidence, a lot of people say that's because the clothes that would have had the blood on it got burned, um, as we talked about a minute ago. Now, Borden did not take the stand in her own defense, and her inquest testimony was not admitted into evidence. The testimony provided by others proved inconclusive. So we've got, you know, some issues with the way the trial was handled and all that. Now, based on the lack of evidence and a few excluded testimonies, Lizzie Borden was acquitted for the murder of her father and stepmother. But she was nonetheless ostracized by the people of her native Fall River, Massachusetts, where she continued to live.
1: She was now, the original O.J. Simpson. Pretty much. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm acquitted, but everybody still thinks I did it and, you know, hates me for it. Right, right. Exactly. Was. <laughs> The, how, the similarities are remarkable.
0: It's weird, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Mislhandled case, get acquitted.
0: Her lawyer was actually the first person to come up with, "If the hatchet doesn't fit, you must acquit."
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if 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 OJ Simpson had burned some clothing, then it would really be,
0: <laughs> yeah, right. The similarities would be eerie. <laughs> it, it would be. It would be. But I think if he'd have burned some clothes clothing he would have been actually probably found guilty at that point just circumstantially but we're not talking about oj let's get back to lizzie (laughs) sorry (laughs) (laughs) maybe we'll hit the oj case later on down the line you know um so lizzie and emma borden inherited a significant portion of their father's estate which allowed them to purchase a new home together now the borden sisters lived together for the following decades and even though lizzie was free She was considered guilty by many of her neighbors, as we were just talking about, so she never really enjoyed acceptance in the community following her trial. Her reputation was further tarnished when she was accused of shoplifting in 1897. So, not only did they think she was a murderer, but now she's a thief as well. Now, In 1905, Emma Borden abruptly moved out of the house that she shared with her sister. Now, the two never spoke again. Emma may have been uncomfortable with Lizzie's close friendship with another woman, Nance O'Neill, although her silence on the issue has fueled speculation that she learned new details about the murder of her father and stepmother. No member of the household staff ever offered additional information on the rift either, um, even following Lizzie's death, nobody spoke out as to why Emma actually just up and left. So there's a lot of theories flying around. I mean, the theories for this Lizzie Borden case could fill several books. And as Matt oh, yeah. and I were talking, they have filled several books. Um, Lizzie Borden actually died of pneumonia in Fall River in on June 1st, 1927, Emma Borden died days later in Newmarket, New Hampshire, so even in death, they were pretty close to each other.
1: Right, right. And you know those kind of things you can speculate all day. they weren't talking right. I mean, if nobody's talking, you know you're not you know usually a, a case like this, at least in the modern day, you're you're looking for somebody to flip. Sure. Somebody eventually is going to find out something, they're going to hear something, someone's going to slip up, they're going to make a comment that's going to lead somebody to some evidence that would lead to a conviction. Right. It, it never happened here.
0: No, which is really weird that, you know, all the time afterward and up until now, we have no new evidence. We haven't learned anything new outside of what they knew at the time. Right. Um. So... Speaking of what they knew at the time, let's talk a little bit about what they knew at the time and some of the evidence and all that stuff. Okay. So one of the biggest things that policemen, lawyers, judges, all that stuff look at is motive. So what motive would Lizzie have had for killing her father and stepmother? Well, money. Her father had a lot of money. They disagreed on how he was using it. And in order for her to get it, the father and the stepmother both had to be dead. So there's a quote here from an article that said tensions had been growing in the family in the months before the murders, especially over Andrew's gifts to various branches of the family. After Abby's relatives received a house, the sisters demanded and received a rental property, which they later sold back to their father for cash. And just before the murders, a brother of Andrew's first wife had visited regarding transfer of another property. The night before the murders, John Vinicum Morse, the brother of Lizzie's and Emma's deceased mother, visited the home to speak about business matters with Andrews. Now, some writers have speculated that their conversation, particularly as it related to property transfer, may have aggravated an already tense situation. So... So There's money involved That's people are going to look at that as a murder motive right there.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Morse was actually a suspect, along with a lot of other people. I mean, it it wasn't like it was automatically Lizzie and everybody else was scot-free. I mean, the list of suspects is insane. I mean, it was like a clue game. Right. Right. But they never charged anyone else. But the reason Morse was was even considered and and, and the whole the whole timeline here is what really makes it weird, is that the morning of the murders, Morse's whereabouts were unaccounted for from about roughly four hours, 8 a.m. till around noon after the murder supposedly had occurred. Now, the story says that when Morse returned and was questioned about his whereabouts, he said that he was visiting a sick friend with the town doctor.
0: Likely story.
1: Yeah, well, turns out the town doctor was actually at the murder scene looking at the bodies of Andrew and Abby Borden. Whoops. Yeah, so uh, you know, uh, it, it's kind of it's kind of weird. I part of me says, "Oh, yeah, that doesn't add up." You know, he's he's made up an alibi. You know, he's he's instantly more of a sub a suspect now, right? But who would be so stupid <laughs> to kill two people, knowing good well that the doctor would show up?
0: right and then right.
1: go i was with the doctor <laughs> yeah right why not just leave it with the the imaginary sick friend yeah and and roll on back into town and be like what happened everybody yeah whoops
0: so, so yeah, either I mean, he's
1: he did it and he's tremendously stupid and nobody ever nobody ever took it a step further
0: and called or, him on it or,
1: or he would or he panicked when he came back to town and he was he was doing something that you know was unsavory not murder right um and didn't want to let anybody know and they were like that's very been? possible uh visiting a sick friend with the doctor yeah really you know and he's yeah. like oh god
0: <laughs> you know. right and and that may be highly likely like you said it's something not murder but it's something he didn't want people to know And so his lie actually caused more issues than whatever it was he was doing. Um, Maybe he, you know, got confused and got the wrong doctor. I don't know. I don't know how many doctors there were around there at the time, but it does seem really odd and it kind of makes you wonder if he was involved in some way, especially being there the night before. And then all that happening and his weird response and all that. So another thing that Lizzie had going against her was Lizzie's suspicious behavior before and after the murders. And as we talked about, even though no forensic evidence was ever found to tie Lizzie to the crimes, the clean, handle-free hatchet blade uh, was found in the basement, which was the only reason it was suggested as a murder weapon. Kind of weird. You know, they found it. Okay. You know, this had to have been what was used, but there was no evidence actually linking that hatchet blade to those heads, you know, um, could have been another hatchet that wasn't even at the scene. Now, she did engage in some unusual activities leading up to and after the events on August 4th. She had been seen attempting to buy poisonous prussic acid, which was supposedly for cleaning purposes, mm-hmm. just before the murders. Um, and this was a fact that was actually deemed inadmissible at trial, even though it seemed to support the theory that Lizzie had murder on her mind. So for some reason, they're leaving a lot out of this
1: trial. <laughs> yeah, I would think that a, a murder suspect buying poison. Yeah. a few. But they weren't poisoned. Right, but... They're just saying, you know, maybe she reconsidered poisoning yeah. them. Written, you couldn't know.
0: figure out how to do it or how much she needed. Maybe, it, I mean, they suspected to be poisoned right before that, and they thought, oh, well, it's just tainted meat. Maybe she tried it. They all got sick, including her, and she was like, well, maybe this isn't a good idea because I'm getting sick too, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't want to kill my sister. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this isn't the way to go, you know, or because it didn't kill them right away and they were suspicious, she was like, oh, I got to find another way to do it, you know? And this is all if you believe that Lizzie is guilty. I'm not right. saying she is or not. I'm just, we're running down that rabbit hole.
1: Anybody um, else think it's strange? You could just go and buy like poison. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that wouldn't, and then go, uh, it's for cleaning. But yeah. I mean, or, that was...
0: Or it's that for was, killing rats, you know.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you bought poison to kill rats or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. But the fact that you could just walk in and it's like, hey, this is poison, you know, it's not. Where where do you keep your poison?
0: You yeah. know,
1: <laughs> aisle
0: four. Oh, yeah, it, it's,
1: aisle it's four. over there. It's it, a poison it's by aisle the,
0: by the baby products. Um, <laughs> it, it goes uh, uh, baby bottles and then poison. Yeah, uh, the, the Prussic acid is the first one on the shelf. Just just grab that. <laughs> That's that works best on countertops. You don't want to yeah. use hydrochloric acid on countertops. That's a little right. too much. That's right. only yeah. for toilets. Mm-hmm. You want the prussic acid for yeah, I mean, like you said, how do you I, I I know it was a different time, but how do you sell poison in a grocery store or a hardware uh, uh, store? I don't was, understand.
1: I'm sure there were many legitimate reasons that you would just have it. If you say so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I can go to the store and buy plenty of things that are poison us, Right. But they're not just going, hey, here's some poison. That's not, you know. Right. Hey, yep. here's some rat poison. Hey, here's some insecticide. Yeah. You know. Yep. Hey, here's just. General Purpose Garden Variety Poison.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It actually says poison on the bottle. Yeah, it's doesn't got sculling you
1: crossbones you on it. You know, it doesn't tell stopper. you what
0: kind it is. It just says poison, poison, and it's in this jug with X's on it.
1: It's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It, exactly.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I mean, for that to be inadmissible in court just blows my mind because nowadays... If you're suspected of murder, they will go look at your credit card history, your bank account history and all that to see where you have been and if you've bought anything related to that crime at all. If you go to the store and you buy rope and, you know, gasoline and a tarp and then somebody's killed and they have rope, they're going to check you out and see if it's the same kind of rope right. and all that. You know, so for that to be inadmissible to me just just blows my mind. I I think they they screwed up the trial, in my opinion, Um, (laughs) even if she didn't do it, they screwed up the trial by not letting in all this information. Right. Now, she also admitted, like we talked about, to burning what she described as a paint stained dress just days before or just days after the crime occurred. Now. This weird bit of housekeeping, quote unquote, was witnessed by her friend, Alice Russell, who cautioned her against doing it because of the vicious nature of the killings. That meant whoever wielded the axe would have been covered in blood and would have had to destroy his or her clothes or, as this article says, have done it butt naked um, in order to avoid suspicion. So incineration of her dress was actually seen as pretty fishy at best at the time.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. When was that happening? I mean, when was the dress being burned?
0: Yeah, it was like two days after the murder, I think, three days after the murder. Yeah. Because it was between the murder and when she got arrested.
1: Yeah. So I I have, I, I was thinking that, you know, victorian dress was was not easy to get in and out of right so she would have had to get out of the bloody dress stash it somewhere and put on another dress right you know that that would have taken time i mean oftentimes those kind of dresses you you required assistance Mm -hmm. to put take put them on or to take them off and you know, she's going to do this all alone, maybe, you know. Maybe. Or, or, you know, she had an accomplice that was helping her get all this stuff done.
0: Right. And it would have had to have been done between the time she supposedly, you know, found her father or whatever, and the time that the maid found the mother, you know, right. Or, or right before she said, oh, my God, you know. Um, so it... it No, like like you said, it seems fishy there too that she would be able to change her clothes and stash that dress somewhere that the cops wouldn't have found a bloody dress. You know, because they were they looked through the crime scene, they found the supposed hatchet blade in the basement. So you know they searched the house. So why didn't they find the dress if it was there?
1: And that's right. They even. Even if the dress was paint stained, wouldn't they have found it?
0: Yeah, you would you know? think so. They would have been like,
1: hey, what's all this?
0: Yep yeah. What, what you've been painting here in, in red paint, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's the other thing. I made the joke about the red paint. You know, it, if it's not red paint, it's obviously not blood. So burning the dress makes me think it must have been red paint. Yeah. You know, yeah. or blood.
0: They're... they're- <laughs> absolutely no reason to burn a paint stained dress unless you're hiding evidence in some way, you know?
1: Well, I get it. Doesn't it doesn't make it. sense. If, you know, if if there's no way to get paint out of it, you know, it's trash. But why
0: burn it? Right. You do what my uh, grandparents always did. Make it a wash rag. Turn it into something to wash the cars with or the floor with or something, you know? And,
1: and you know, that theory right there, that you saying that brings up an excellent point. We're talking about you know, turn-of-the-century life here, wastefulness was not tolerated. Right. I mean, you know, even if the Bordens had a lot of money, you know, most people had a lot of money because they didn't waste anything. Sure. You know, they were frugal with the money that they had. That's why they had so much of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not using material... I mean, you know, they could they would have cut it up and made handkerchiefs or or aprons or anything else. Right. And it wouldn't matter whether it was paint stained.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we know for a fact that Andrew Borden was frugal because the sisters claimed that he was the wife claimed that he was. And everybody in town knew that he was frugal with his money. He didn't like to waste. So, yeah. Why would you just burn a dress? You can use that for something else.
1: Right. Unless that's the final up yours to old dad, you know. Hey, maybe so. Maybe you so. You greedy booger, I'm going to burn this dress that I was wearing when I killed you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Could be. One more finger in the air, you know. So another thing that was odd about the case was Lizzie's alibi. Now, she proved uh, to be a frustrating interviewee for police, uh, giving inconsistent answers to investigators constantly. Now, she was home supposedly when both murders occurred and the home wasn't that big, you know, because Andrew, like we talked about, hated the ostentatious display of wealth. So he wasn't a big fan of huge houses and showing off his money and all that frugal man like we talked about. But apparently she didn't hear or see anything during the murders. So if you're home, it's a small home and there's two violent murders you would think you would have heard something but her and the maid were both home didn't hear anything pretty weird
1: yeah i mean obviously if 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 the killing blow was del- was dealt first which you would think it would be hopefully then then there's not any screams right you know but the the sound of of a hatchet or an ax hitting anything, Mm -hmm. especially a human body. You would think it would make enough noise that it would alert somebody. Yeah. You would have heard something. A body hitting the floor. I mean, because when you can actually look at the crime scene photos and now where Andrew Borton was, was lying down, Abby was not, it Mm -hmm. appears that when she was struck, So she would have hit the floor. Right. And I mean, that's again, you know, the sound of somebody hitting the floor might have alerted somebody. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. When I mean,
1: unless they were in on it.
0: Sure. When Michael runs upstairs and I'm downstairs, I can hear him running. I know he's running, you know, and it's not dead weight hitting the floor. So, you know, in an older house, you would have heard the dead weight hitting the floor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, at the time of her. Mother's murder nine thirty a m the John Morse guy who was there visiting them and talking to them, and the sister Emma were out of town. Andrew Borden was apparently running errands around town, and the maid Bridget Sullivan was outside washing windows. Only Lizzie was known to be in the house at the time of Abby Borden's murder. Now, to commit both murders, um Andrew Borden was murdered around eleven a m an outside intruder would have had to either hide in the house for 90 minutes or have departed and then returned without being seen. So everybody involved was out doing something except for Lizzie. And so if it was an outside person, then they would have had to have been really sneaky. And again, not not a big house. So there's not many places for an intruder to hide in their house for an hour and a half and not be found by Lizzie or somebody else. Mm -hmm. Now, Lizzie explained away not hearing these two murders. And this article says two people being butchered to death, which is actually very accurate. uh, If you look at the crime scene photos. Um, including the thud of the body hitting the floor upstairs by insisting she was in the barn behind the house. She was apparently upstairs in its storage loft looking for fishing sinkers and eating pears. Now, the police found this loft so stifling hot that it was difficult to believe anyone would voluntarily remain in such a place for as much as even 20 minutes. They also found no footprints in the loft that could be substantiated, you know, as Lizzie's and proven her story. So there's no evidence that she was in the loft outside
1: eating pears. <laughs> I'm eating pears.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a good story, but nobody can prove it.
1: But is it though? <laughs> yeah, it's not really a good story. No. <laughs> just through. Throw the eating pears in there, right? You know, I was looking for fishing lures or weights or whatever, yeah, and uh, and eating pears. Yeah, it's
0: almost like an afterthought. It's like, yeah, I was looking for fishing sinkers and 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 eating pears too. I was eating pears, so my hands were busy. I was (laughs) I was eating pears, so. The, the day before the murders, Lizzie had apparently made some uncharacteristically odd statements to her friend, Alice Russell, uh, who we spoke about before, um, spoke about before, uh, which seemed in hindsight either a near psychic prediction or a little too convenient given the timing. Now, according to Miss Russell, Lizzie was agitated and worried over some threat to her family and concerned that something was about to happen. She said, quote, I feel as if something were hanging over me and I cannot throw it off. She added that her father had enemies and that she was frightened that something was going to happen to the family. Oh, so,
1: so she's she's throwing that out there.
0: Right. She yeah, she said this before the, the murders, so that probably cover trying to cover her tracks, you know, mm-hmm. that. She would say, no, I mean, I knew somebody was going to kill him. I mean, you know, ask my friend. And I, I told her that you know, I, I feared that something was going to happen. So it, it all seems vague. Yeah, it all seems odd. Um, what bothers me a lot about the case is the stuff that was deemed inadmissible um, because you should want all of that evidence in the, the courtrooms, I would mm-hmm. think. I'm no lawyer. Um, I have lawyer friends, but I'll have to ask them if that some of that stuff seems odd to leave out, or if it's something that yeah, we'd probably leave that out even today. I don't know, but it, it seems weird to me.
1: Well, to to make it inadmissible that that would have to be a, a ruling that says no, nope, you can't use it. Right. You know, it's it, it's more or less, you know. It, saying something was handled in such a way where they were like, you came by this information illegally or sure. you didn't go through the appropriate channels, So therefore you can't use it in court. You know, I, that's what I always think the, the, the rules and laws may have been different than, in fact, I would imagine they were a lot different. Um, So I I don't, they they use that term and that may, they may be interjecting a modern term, you know, for, you know, something that happened well over a hundred years ago, Um, but it it may have, that may have been the term that, you know, uh, authors are using and uh, just because it was, maybe it was deemed not germane to the case, you know, there was a logical explanation. Maybe this poison was a product that a lot of people bought. Sure, um, and it wasn't it wasn't out of the ordinary for somebody to have purchased this or to have it, um, you know. So they were just like, ah, oh, that, that doesn't matter. The, you know, maybe they looked at it just like I said. Look, they weren't killed with poison, so why right. why bring this up at all? You know, right. I understand. I understand why they the a prosecutor would want to talk about it. Um, you know, it it would it shows that maybe she was. She was thinking this way so close to the event, mm-hmm. you know, and then decided, uh, you know, hacking them is is way better, you know. Yeah,
0: it's quicker,
1: you know, or you know, maybe you know, Lizzie or whoever um, would have thought, you know, po- poisoning could possibly be traced, you right? Know, you know, I I don't know how uh, I don't I don't know how good uh medical examiners were then at determining a cause of death, you know, being able to say, yeah, it was indeed poisoning, you know, but. You yeah, know,
0: they would have to look for signs that the poison caused on the body. Right. They wouldn't be able to actually really trace the poison in the system that long after the death, you know. So they would have to look for oh, they're purple around this area of the body, that means they were poisoned uh, yeah. with such and such poison, yeah. Yeah. you know.
1: So, uh, as, as bizarre as this case is, and, you know, and, and like we said at the top of the show, still unsolved, there's no new evidence, you know, probably will never be solved. The house still stands today. And so, what do you do with, uh, with a house where you've had an unsolved axe murder? you uh you turn it into a bed and breakfast well of course <laughs> i mean why not
0: there's um, nothing else to do with it
1: but you know the the house the house is there and it and it serves as a macabre reminder of the events of August of 1892 um but you know to the credit you know it, it is a part of history um and, and it does you know celebrate history you know, very macabre history, um, but it does celebrate history of that area because, you know, this is such a well-known, famous event. And what better way uh, to keep that history alive uh, than to turn it into a bed and breakfast in museum. and museum? Uh, museum? And visitors can actually tour the home and hear the murder case retold by the tour guides. Uh, you're even encouraged to pose on the settee where Andrew Borden was napping before the attack. Phew. Now, yeah, ew. <laughs> now it's it's not the actual one. <laughs> in, well, fact, in fact, in uh, fact, none of the furniture in the house is original, it, but it has been replaced with near exact replicas, and they went to great lengths to. To make the house as accurate as it was at the time, so uh, you know, g- going through finding replica pieces, using crime scene photos to to actually recreate some of the furniture that's visible in the photos. That's actually uh, you know, pretty cool. It is pretty cool, um, and 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 they use crime scene photos as decoration in the house. Not not just they're they're not like uh, you know, you go through a typical tour and here's some kind of placard that has a photo and, you know, a little story along with it. You know, it's like, like sitting out, you know, you got pictures of the family and stuff. And then you've got on the wall above where Abby Borden's body was found is a is a crime scene photo mounted on the wall, framed? You know,
0: hey, eh, you know that's pretty
1: cool. Nice, rem- nice reminder when here. you're
0: spitting the night there,
1: <laughs> right? You know, I've got some oh. space.
0: I could put some of those up here. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, now you know, you get some, get some <laughs> of the, uh, you know, get some crime photos to put up there. I'm sure Ashley will love that. Oh yeah, um, she'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, the room where Abby's. Uh, Abby Borden's body was found, is, is now named the John V. Morse Room. And, you know, guests can actually enhance their experience by spending the night. In fact, you have a choice of what room you decide to sleep in when you when you book your stay. You know, you can stay in, in the, the murder room, you know, Abby's room. You can stay in Lizzie's room. Um, and, and there's other rooms that you can choose. Um, but, you know, if you're going to go and spend the night, you get a little bit more of a tour that the the average uh, customer coming up to want to take the tour of the house doesn't get. It includes a tour of the attic and the basement. And we're going to talk more about the basement here shortly. Um, you get to taste gonna,
0: the Prussic acid? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have... They have pressic acid jello shots Ooh, you know, nice. at the end of the tour. <laughs> nice. So you can uh, experience but, the
0: poison meat uh <laughs> thing that the Bordens went through the night that's before.
1: Right. Yeah. Here's some uh here's some meat pie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a
0: <laughs> It's a might old, but you might like it.
1: <laughs> it's a little stinky. <laughs> yeah. Um but you know, stay in there. It's it's going to set you back. Um, prices for one night start at two hundred and twenty five dollars, depending Ooh. on the room that you choose. Um, and you can rent the entire house for fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! So yeah, you know, if you had a group, you know, if you if you had a little group of uh, amateur paranormal investigators, maybe you want to. You know, maybe fifteen hundred dollars split five or six ways isn't so bad to get to yep. get to have That's that true. place to yourself for a night, and then get breakfast in the morning. You know, um, but tour guides they offer up a wealth of information about the Borden family and the horrible crimes that took place there, as well as explaining how many believe that the Bordens haven't really left. Now, the guides offer a collection of laminated photographs taken by visitors, which include one in particular taken by a guest staying in the murder room. The guest had spotted something on her partner's side of the bed and immediately jumped up and snapped a photo. Now, the photo reveals an eerie white mist hovering at the bedside, and and these photos are not hard to find. Um... There are there are tons of sites about this case and about the bed and breakfast and that that post photos that visitors have taken that you know supposedly catch some paranormal evidence. Uh, and, and this photo, it, it's it's pretty, it's pretty weird. I mean, you know, if it's a legit photo, and you know, you know how I am about photo evidence, but um, you know, it is odd. You know, it's not one that you could easily dismiss. Mm -hmm. Now, in one guest's account, the fire alarm inexplicably went off around 3 a.m. And this was, of course, a hot topic the next morning among the guests at breakfast. And overhearing this, the host came out and asked about what time the alarm went off. And then with a strange look on his face said that, that isn't all that uncommon and that it happens about every couple of months at about the same time of night. That's and so, weird. you know, they said, well, maybe, you know, he's just trying to to spook us a little bit further. Um, but, you know, it, it is strange, you know, if things like that were really are really happening, you know, where the, hey, right. you know, every couple of months fire alarm goes off at 3 a.m., you know. Yeah, that is Right weird. around the witching hour, fire alarm's yeah. going to go off going to scare the ever-living crap out of you
0: <laughs> <laughs> right and you know maybe he's got it hardwired to do that maybe he's got a way to set it off himself and freak oh, yeah. people out
1: yeah why not i mean what wouldn't you do that oh wouldn't yeah you just go eh, it's just a fire alarm but this is going to be funny
0: yeah <laughs> right Gonna be hysterical
1: so w- let's talk about some of the paranormal activity that that currently happens at the Lizzie Borden house. Now, typical things that people will report are covers being ripped from the bed of sleeping guests, objects being moved around the house, children laughing and playing full bodied apparitions of men, women, and children and unaccounted for emotions of grief or aggression by guests. Floors creaking when no one is walking or moving. Footsteps on the above floors and stairs when no one else is in the home. Shadow figures. Doors opening and closing. Phantom smells, such as floral cologne is one of the most commonly reported. Uh, lights turning off and on. EVPs and disembodied voices. Now.
0: There's a lot happening.
1: That, that is like... That's a paranormal investigator's dream, right? Oh now. yeah. I mean that just that encompasses everything you could possibly hope to experience by visiting some place that is supposedly haunted. Yep. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. That, that runs the full gambit. You know, stuff moving, lights on and off, full-bodied apparitions, shadow people, smells, voices, EVPs, you name it. It's got it. I mean, it has it all. So remember how that $1,500 may not sound like so much now. Yeah,
0: no kidding. <laughs> if, if sounding got, easier and easier to pay.
1: If you've got this much of an opportunity to actually experience something and may capture some type of evidence, then yeah, you're thinking, well, $1,500 is a bargain. <laughs> yep.
0: Graveyard Tales trip to a bed and breakfast. I see it in our future.
1: That's right. Now, let's let's talk about who these spirits are attributed to. Now, most people believe that Andrew Borden is the male apparition that has been seen climbing the stairs and even the shadow figure that lurks in the darkness uh, in the parlor area. Now, that makes sense to me.
0: That's what I was about to say. Makes sense.
1: Now, he has been known to answer questions that are heard through EVPs, um, but he uses a more um, harsh or aggressive tone. Now he ignores well, the living for the most. I'd be part. a
0: little po'd if I got murdered that way. Well, so sure. I'd use an aggressive tone.
1: Yeah, why not? What the hell? Leave me alone. You know. Yeah. Um, but they said that 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 Andrew Borden's spirit typically just doesn't doesn't mess with the living, and he and he goes about his daily life almost as if he's continuing his routine you know his oh, his, yeah. his work and his his life and what he would normally do um and and you know even the respect that most people will say that he, he ignored his own daughters you know that you know andrew had his own life and he was you know a busy man he he was for all practical purposes you know a, a very well to do man um he he didn't have time for you know, the goings on of his adult daughters that just happened to, to still be living in the house. Right. Um, but another entity that has been identified by uh, investigators is that of Abby Borden. Okay. You know, we would assume that too. Now the John Morse room, as we mentioned before, that that's the guest room where Abby was murdered. Now, the, there's been several strange occurrences that have been witnessed by by guests and by paranormal investigators. The bed in that room will show that the indentation of a human body as if someone has just been lying down on the top of it. And, and it happens usually just after the staff has made the bed. Now, people also report hearing disembodied voices in this area but it's usually the cries and the moans of, of a female. Now they say that not all the encounters with the spirit of Abby have been, you know, this sad, you know, moon and everything. Um, there has also been an older, large woman with gray hair spotted going just merrily through the house. So, Perhaps it's not just the fact that the spirit is contained within that room where the murder occurred, but that her spirit continues to move about the house and and do the regular things that that she would be doing, much like they say that Andrew's spirit would do. Now, an interesting thing about these two spirits in particular, and and I read this and I thought, this makes sense. You know, if you're willing to believe this stuff, but the idea that maybe Andrew and Abby Borden don't realize that they're dead because of the way in which they were murdered. Of course, it looks, it appears, oh, yeah. that, you know, Abby was attacked from behind and Andrew was asleep or at least, you know, partially asleep downstairs. So they didn't see it coming. And that the way they died without actually realizing for that split second, hey, I'm gonna die. Um yeah. caused their spirit to kind of be stuck not realizing they're dead. They're in their home, and their spirit just begins to go through their their routine day to day because it doesn't know that it's time to pass on to the other side. Right. It's an interesting right. Makes theory. Sense. And and we've heard Things like that uh, about other hauntings, but I don't think I've heard it quite in that vein where they say because of the manner of how they died, they wouldn't, they may not have known right. that they were about to die and therefore their spirit may not realize they're dead. Interesting
0: thought. Yep. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense if you think about it, like you said, in, in how they died and all that. It, It was quick for them. It was quick. And so it it could be confusion and and not necessarily the stone tape theory that we've talked about before, but they just don't know it. So they're like, this is what I do. You know, every day, this is what I do. So they're doing it.
1: The, you know, it's, it's the sixth sense thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't realize I'm dead. So I don't know that it's time for me to cross over. Right. Um. But, you know, the thinking that the, the house would be haunted by Abby and Andrew Borden, that seems like, yeah, okay. You know, they died there. Right. But they're not the only ones there. So a full-bodied apparition that looks a lot like Lizzie has been seen in the basement. Hmm. And that's where the four axes were discovered. One, of course, with a freshly broken handle and covered in ashes as if it was burned. Now, some claim to have seen the apparition of Lizzie appear to be cleaning the murder weapon. Now, there's your That's stone tape weird. theory right there.
0: Yeah, you there know, you go.
1: That something surrounded by such, uh, I mean, you know, we, it's hard to get much more negative than a brutal axe murder, especially <laughs> right? if you're murdering your own parents, your own father and stepmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and just the, the horror involved in such thing and, and the energy, you know, maybe it, it, it left an imprint of, of Lizzie going through that process and cleaning up and, and trying to cover her tracks. Now, Bridget, the maid, uh, has also been seen and there was even an EVP captured of a woman screaming, ma'am, come quick. Um. Which, you know, would, would, would be what you would imagine was said when Bridget discovered the body of Abby Borden. Right, right. So, you know, I, that makes sense. Those kind of EVPs are very common. Um, but there's also been sightings of a woman in maids attire doing chores around the house. Hmm. And, and even on the day of the murder, um, It was said that Bridget was out cleaning windows that morning, you know, so, you know, she was she was working. She was going about her her day to day business and it just had gone upstairs to either rest or take a nap or do something, um, you know, or to, uh, you know, help Lizzie kill her stepmother. Yeah, right. (laughs) I keep coming back to this that I, I can't imagine one person doing this. You know, yeah, it would be hard. So, you know, it it just so I, you know, I think that, you know, it, it seems strange that those, you know, that those spirits would dwell within the house. They didn't die there. They didn't die in that house. Um But if Unless they were a part, just pulled back of that or or if they were a part of this in some way and their spirits were drawn back there, you yep. know, Um you know, that, that, that would, that would explain a little bit of it to me. You know, I'm kind of thinking, you know, you're involved in something so horrible, then your spirit would be, would be pulled back there. You know, that, that you're going to be, you're going to be trapped in that, in that environment. Yeah. Um, but it's not just people. Uh, the apparition of a cat and the sound of meowing and the feeling of something brushing up against your leg has also been reported by visitors to the house. And, you know, we know that Bridget had a cat that um, Abby found beheaded in the basement not too long before the murder. Now, oh, good grief. Some some people will say that this this is a lot of just hearsay that maybe it, it wasn't necessarily that way. But there's a lot of evidence that this cat was found dead prior to. And a lot of people think that this might have been Lizzie practicing yeah i'm like look maybe um maybe she just was like wonder how hard i gotta swing this hatchet to kill a cat yeah i'm gonna have to swing it a lot harder to kill a person
0: (laughs) right you know and uh, as we know to this day that if someone is known to kill animals or torture animals that's a sign of future serial killer you know or future murderer
1: and you bring up an, a fantastic point. So the 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 serial killers that have done things like this, the torturing and and brutally killing animals, and eventually work their way up to another human being. Um, a lot of times they are sociopaths.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, they feel very little emotion. They they don't have a, a a, a real sense of right and wrong, you know, there was there have been, there's documentation that shows that at no point in time during her testimony did Lizzie ever cry. Yeah. So if if we if we think about Lizzie as the murderer, and if we think, okay, this beheaded cat could have been her, you know this kind of goes into what A lot of people will attribute a profile of a sociopath. Um, No emotion. You know, no, no sign of remorse, no sign of emotion that even if I didn't do it, you know, I'm I'm not really I'm not showing you that I'm upset. Everything's Mm -hmm. just matter of fact. It's not a I'm not angry that you think I did it. You know, I'm not angry that they're dead. I'm not, you know, I'm not grieving. I'm. It just it is what it is, um, that that kind of makes you think. Oh, well, maybe maybe this is maybe, maybe Lizzie was a sociopath. You know, yeah, maybe. maybe maybe that's that's exactly what was going on. And you know the the decision to kill her father and stepmother was strictly one of well, this is I'm I'm just I'm going to do this. You know, I not not right or wrong or not necessarily for as an ends to a, a means to an end, you know, I'm just, this is what I'm going to do. Um, right. But you would think covering it up would, would show that you, you had some idea uh, of right or wrong, or, or at least you knew in the eyes of the community, it was going to be wrong. In the eyes of the law, yep. you, you knew know, you had You were going to were gonna be facing some type of punishment. hmm Now, along with now the spirit of Abby Andrew, Lizzie, Bridget, and even the cat. There are also the spirits of two young children that have been captured on film, and uh, and one EVP. Now the the sound of children laughing and playing, as well as disembodied giggles, are a common occurrence. Now, interestingly enough, in eighteen forty eight. In the house next door, Eliza Darling Borden, who was not of any blood relation, during a, a period of what sounds like severe postpartum depression, threw her three children down the cellar cistern on that property, and two of them died. And when she was done, she took a razor blade and slit her throat. Wow. Okay, so two children died at the hands of their mother and then their mother committed suicide Mm -hmm. on that property. You know, we're just
0: stacking up the bad energy.
1: Yeah. You know, roughly 30 to 35 years before the the Lizzie Borden murders. So, yeah, we've we've put some bad juju on this area right here, you know, and on this family. Um, Even though she wasn't a blood relative, it was the house next door and still on the same property. Now, these two children are supposedly the two children of Eliza Borden. Um, The room that they seem to be most active in is known as the Hosea Knowlton room at at the bed and breakfast. And it's named for the district attorney who tried the case against Lizzie. And it's reportedly like one of the most active rooms in the house. I thought it was weird that they would name a room after the district attorney. <laughs>
0: yeah, that is a little odd.
1: That's just, that's, to me, that's just, it just makes it a historical reference. You know, we're right. just going to call this room this. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of reason to call it the John V. Morse room, except for the fact that he spent the night there the night before the murders. Right. Um, you know, so you're you're just bringing in a lot of the history, and I, and I'm sure it helps with, enhancing the tour to bring up the names of these people. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond all of this, there's another entity that supposedly resides in the back of the basement. Now, this entity is nicknamed Mr. Stinky. (laughs) 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 Now, they call him Mr. Stinky due to the reports of a strange sulfur or rotting meat-like smell that accompanies its presence. Now, investigators have noted cold spots that come and go in the area, in this area of the basement. And some theorize that it's not a human spirit, but some form of energy or even an elemental.
0: That's weird. So, you know, know, I've heard that they uh, speculate something like that is what caused Lizzie to do it. Um, Some evil entity or her being possessed or whatever, and that's why she didn't remember doing it. And so she claimed it wasn't her, is because something caused her to do it, and so it wasn't really her doing it, it was just her body physically doing it.
1: And and that's interesting when we talk about the case of of Eliza Borden murdering her two children and then killing herself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I mean, every... Everybody knows that, you know, postpartum depression is real and it wasn't something that was understood in 1848. Sure. But if we want to speculate, which is really all we're doing, um, right? The, if, if you've got this idea that there was some kind of entity on that property, you know, in if it's in that house, if, if it is an entity, if it's an elemental whatever, it's not going to be bound to that house per se but it it might reside at that property and way outdate any home that was ever built there
0: right and right
1: and and it you know if you if you want to if you want to broaden your mind a little bit you can think look these are two horrible crimes that were committed on this property you know if if you want to believe that there's an entity there Sure. I mean it, it you know if it's if it's evil enough or if it's dark enough, you know, it, it could have driven somebody to do something like that. I mean yep. I can I can see where people can come to that theory, especially with, you know, the eighteen forty eight incident. Right. Absolutely. Now there is a presence of a face that appears on the that back wall in the basement. And it's only visible in photographs. Now, I've looked at the picture, and you can you can make out a face, but photos seem to always capture the exact same image, or at least pretty close. And so, it's it's widely been explained as it's a, it's a trick by shadows caused by grooves and depressions in the wall with flash photography. Yeah,
0: pareidolium.
1: Uh, yeah, it it is interesting. You know, when you look at the picture, you're like, "Yeah, I can see a face." Yep. Maybe you don't see a face, but somebody's telling you, "Do, do you see the face? Mm-hmm. Don't you see the face?" Then you're like, and
0: "Then you're like, yeah, yeah,
1: I see the face." Yep. And you're like, "There's nothing there. There's no face." <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but once somebody tells you, you know, I see, I see it. You know, or at least mm-hmm. I can say, I, I see what you think you see. You
0: know. Yep. It happens now, to a lot of people.
1: yeah it happens all the time it happens all the time um now tour guides have had their their own experiences including being touched by an unseen hand uh, a feeling of someone tugging on their shirt and hearing whispers in their ears um and others have claimed to have heard the children giggling in the attic bedrooms now some people will, will come and they'll leave uh leave gifts uh offerings um you know, to the spirits that inhabit the house to maybe somehow and, you know, bring about additional activity. Now, if you're going to if you're going to visit and you're going to do this, Mr. Borden prefers to have a few coins placed on his bedroom bedroom bureau, um, suggesting that his, uh, you know, his love of money may uh, may continue on uh, even after death. Um, But the children in the attic seem to respond to gifts of toys. And and we've seen that before, where places yep, sure. have a have a spirit that's attributed to a child that, that toys can really seem to increase the activity. Um, Probably don't need to bring
0: like meat pies or cleaning <laughs> products as a as a gift. That might not go over well.
1: Yeah. True. True. Yeah. No meat pies. <laughs> And, you, and you'd and you probably be, uh, you probably don't need to bring like a Game Boy or anything. No, <laughs> you know, no. Balls and dolls and little, you know, wooden cars probably would no, be like uh, your best bet.
0: No woodworking equipment, like a hatchet probably yeah. wouldn't be the best. <laughs>
1: no hatchets, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that wouldn't be good.
1: Um, But here here's another interesting story. There was a lady named Joanne Parent. Her and her sister were visiting the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, Um, and she caught something really unusual on her camera in Abby Borden's room. Now she says, quote, at about 2 PM, I was so creeped out to actually go into Abby's room. So I just reached my arm around the doorframe and snapped a bunch (laughs) of photos. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm so scared. I can't even go in here. Um, but then she says, "You can clearly see the outline of something like the form of a woman wearing a hood." Now, this image is actually in like a, a standing mirror, okay? Um, and and you can go and join that. She's had these on her on her Instagram account, and she's posted them. Um, so you can actually go and look at these. Now, she takes it one step further and says that she's had posted other pictures that were taken at the exact same time. Um, And then over the course of time, a black bar has appeared in the photo that wasn't there originally. And that isn't in all of the photos. Uh, It's kind of interesting. And again, I'll tell you, you know, these photos are out there. You know, you can go and hunt them down. Um, You know, they're, you know, they, they belong to other people. Um, mm-hmm. but they're widely published on the internet and you, you can look at them and, you know, Adam and I have seen a lot of these photographs and they're very, very interesting and they're intriguing. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and again, you know, nobody's getting rich off of this stuff. So, you know, unless you just enjoy this kind of attention, you know, there's no reason to go, Hey, look, I posted, I took this photo at Lizzie Borden's house and look what it is. <laughs> you know, everybody look at right. me. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a weird photo, you know, so take a look at it. But the co-owner, Leanne Wilbur, says that it's not the first time that people have spotted something weird in the mirror or captured some unexplained phenomena. Um, She says, depending on how you're standing, you won't see anything in that mirror. It's only when you take the picture at a certain angle, which that alone makes me think, oh, it's a it's the light or something, yeah, you know, smudges You're on picking the mirror up a reflection or something. of something. If you stand at a certain, if you stand at a certain angle, you know, it's yeah, like, you exactly.
0: Know. Um, and little but, fishy but, to me,
1: but there's, there are, she is right. And there's a lot of photographs that have been taken in the house that just don't have a good explanation. Um, you know, there was a gentleman by the name of Glenn Teza, who he's a psychic and a, a spiritual healer. Uh, from New Jersey and his photos show a missed figure and were taken with a with an instant Polaroid camera. And and she says, you know, you, you can't really mess with that film. You know right. that that's kinda hard to doctor.
0: Yeah, you it know, is what it is.
1: Yeah, when you when you take a Polaroid of something, you know, it, it kinda is what it is. Of course they don't always offer the greatest photographs. Um, no. And, and they come out over and under exposed a lot and make a lot of weird things appear on a photo. So mm-hmm. even if you didn't doctor it, you may have just taken a crappy Polaroid. <laughs> um, right. Because God knows I've got I've got photo albums full of Polaroids from when I was a kid and, you know, birthday parties and stuff. And if you look at them and there's like 70 of them are. Like, what the hell is that?
0: Yeah, got (laughs) weird halos around stuff or even over time. I mean, because of the way they develop over time, they could continue to develop in certain spots and cause Mm -hmm. weird things to appear later.
1: Yeah. And and they do degrade. I mean, you know, Polaroid is not a archival um, by by any means, but it's interesting. Yeah. But Um, for some reason,
0: it's coming back. Have you seen that? It's coming oh, back, yeah, now oh, where yeah. you can get oh, like yeah. my Polaroid oldest, things my for your oldest phone. Has
1: got the the mini one, the little mini yeah. one that takes the little instant photos. Yeah, yeah. they're they're terrible, but they're fun. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the whole. Yeah, thing. I it's guess a, it's a fun. It's it's a throwback thing. But yeah, you're right. The actual Polaroid. Yeah, you can you can get one and you can start snapping some Polaroids because you know uh-huh. hell if you're like if you're like me, ninety mo- percent of my photographs re- reside in my phone or yep. on the computer, or somewhere in the cloud, and they're never, ever printed. Um, but, yep. you know, I, back I, in our I've day, always got them with me to show people.
0: Right. Well, back in our day, the the Polaroids were great for stuff that you didn't want the guy developing film to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you said, I'm going to get in trouble for them seeing this, or I just right. don't know if I want him seeing, you know, my bare butt. And <laughs> I think I should probably take a Polaroid of this.
1: <laughs> spoken like someone that owned a polaroid camera <laughs> no. no no Adam. adam's not old enough to have owned a polaroid camera now, I, be- I, did, I barely am really
0: i owned one but it was still at that point it was a classic thing that was funny oh, to yeah. have you yeah. know
1: <laughs> but you know so many people have experienced things at the house and you know we ran down that list of all the things that have been reported and it's not just once or twice. I mean, these things happen continually and, and visitors to the bedding breakfast are, are having these kind of experiences. Paranormal investigators are, are having these kind of experiences. Um, you know, it, it just goes to, to make you, it makes you wonder. I mean, is there something going on up there? I mean there's an awful lot of activity that has been attributed to um you know at least 3 members of the family plus the maid, you know, animals and and children. I mean that's that's a lot going on in in one house.
0: Yeah, it really um,
1: is. You know, I I don't I don't know what to believe. I mean we we've talked about a lot. I mean we we've we've thrown an entire episode about you know, one of the most famous murder cases in history and now one of the most haunted places in New England. And mm-hmm. you know, and it's all connected. So yep. that's why Adam and I thought that well, this is a good topic for Halloween. Oh yeah. Um, you know, we we kinda touch on everything, you know, a murder case and a haunted house and all this stuff.
0: Yep, but, dabbling um, in the true crime and then our forte, the haunted stuff. So Right,
1: right. But what do you guys think? I mean, I'm sure most all of our listeners know the Lizzie Borden case. You've seen television shows. You've seen documentaries. You've seen the the old movie that had Elizabeth Montgomery in it, you know, from Bewitched, you know. Um, So maybe maybe you have a thought, you know. Maybe you, you, do you think Lizzie did it? Um, Do you think it was somebody else? Do you think it was a conspiracy between multiple people? Um, And what do you think about the house, you know? is there enough evidence to compel you to want to make a visit up there and see for yourself? I, you know, I think if I ever got to that area of Massachusetts, I would absolutely want to go. Um, absolutely. But, um, but tell us what you think, you know, on, on all these kind of topics, you know, we'd be interested to know.
0: Yep. Uh, hit us up on Facebook and email or on the website, whatever, and let us know. Um, Cause as always, we'd like to hear what you guys think and, You know, we definitely don't have the definitive answers on anything here, and that's why we like to talk it over with you guys. So please holler at us and let us know what you're thinking.
1: Yeah, and be sure to check out our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com, and there you can listen to the show. You can find uh, links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise, and you can uh, become a patron. And thank you so much to everyone who has donated to the show uh, oh, yeah. It'll it allows Adam to keep on doing it and create better content for you guys. Um, you know, check out our Facebook group. Um, it, it, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of activity, and and really, it's a good place to to share crazy stories and um, ask for advice about things like this. Uh, we we love to hear it, and we we love seeing the activity on a daily basis in that group. So mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so. Uh, Happy Halloween, everybody. And, yes, happy uh, Halloween. Until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See
0: you soon. On an off note, Matt, Ashley is cooking downstairs. The AC just kicked on and I can smell it. I'm starving.
1: Uh,
0: Fantastic. Okay. Well, I, think,
1: I, I think Amanda's probably cooking right about now, too. So. <laughs> Um, hey. I yeah. I I killed the wasp with my <laughs> with my teacup. Hell yeah, man.
0: It, we're we're taking the wasp population down one at a time.
1: Yeah, and for y'all that don't know, I have a wasp problem in my studio. Yes. And and they 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 chase at me when I'm recording.
0: What you need to do is start hanging them at the door or like put their little heads on a pike <laughs> so that the other It's a warning. Other wasp note. Yeah, exactly. Don't come in here. You can end up on a pike.